0: This is The Decision Point with Anand Nanduri and, oh oh, oh, baby, free agency's here, man. It's here. It's the talk of the NFL. The NFL always has something to talk about. They've set up the schedule in such a way that you have the Super Bowl, and then you have free agency, and you have the combine, and it's always just boom, 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 NFL draft, mini camp, training camp, preseason, there's always something. There's always something. And, and in those little cracks of time where there may not be a relevant NFL story or uh, date on the calendar, Brian yep. Flores sues the league. <laughs> there's, there's always a reason to talk about the NFL. I'm very interested in NFL free agency because we have some quarterbacks that are going to yep. go to teams to be starters. We have a great wide receiver class. We have an underrated running back class, and we have an interesting, super intriguing tight end class. But it all starts with quarterback. And first and foremost, he's not a free agent. But we have to kick off any conversation about where guys are going, where guys would fit, who's going where. You have to always start with Aaron Rodgers. What's up with Aaron Rodgers? Is he staying in Green Bay? Spoiler
1: alert, I'm yes with he you. Is. I. I I'm not a fan of it. I'm Fine. I'm not I'm look, I'm I not doing? a fan of him staying in Green Bay just because okay, look, right? Historically, really good to great quarterbacks moving places in recent times has gone pretty well, right? Peyton moving to Denver, that worked out pretty well. You had Brady moving to Tampa, that's worked out pretty well. You had Stafford moving to LA, that worked pretty well. I think a big part of this that we've covered before is I think your average quarterback knows what they need and if you're significantly better than that, then you really know what you need. And if you're Aaron Rodgers, right, what roster is more ready to go win? You saw, you see what Green Bay did, right? Green Bay assembled a very, very good roster and you couldn't win with them in back-to-back years, right? Ultimately speaking, that falls at the feet of Rodgers. I mean, you scored 10 points in a home playoff game. At that point, you look at their cap situation. You look at all the guys they're going to lose. That 2021 team is going to be a lot better than the 2022 team. Even if they happen to have, you know, a a streak run and win it all, that's what it's going to take. It's not like you're walking into this as the NFC favorite like you did last year. And if you go look at it, and look, I understand. You do not want to be in a division with Herbert and Mahomes. I get it. But if you go look at Denver's roster that that is a real <laughs> yeah, uh, problem that Denver well, has I mean, look, like, recruiting. If you're the if you're the Raiders, right? You're potentially waking up this morning feeling like, all right, we have Derek Carr, we'll we'll do something here. And you could wake up tomorrow with an Aaron Rodgers trade to having a pretty good quarterback and having the fourth best quarterback in your own division. Like this is the insanity that could happen in the AFC West if this goes down. I think he stays in Green Bay, uh, but the speculation's fun, right? Like I, him potentially in Pittsburgh, man, would that jolt that team right back into life? I, I just, I, I find it tough to believe that, given everything that he's done, I feel like if he was gonna be moved, we would have more of an idea now, right? Because other teams are gonna start to assemble their rosters. They're gonna start to do X, Y, Z. Like y- you can't just leave everybody out in limbo forever so i think that decision is going to be made sooner than we think and i think he stays in green bay
0: and i think he'll take a discount i think he knows that by taking less money he improves his chances of winning and he has nothing left to do right there's nothing left in his career but to win he's had a hall of fame career he's been an mvp multiple times he's going to the hall of fame it would be nice to have that second championship that's the thing that would be nice. And does he need the extra millions? This is what I don't understand. Once you have millions and you're comfortable with your millions, what do you care about an extra $10 million? A big. What, what do you care? Whether your bank account says $45 million or 55000000 million, isn't it a bigger deal? Isn't it much more important to you to get some- that second championship? Why wouldn't you leave some money on the table so that your team can afford to franchise tag, Devonte Adams and put talent around you, but the way these contracts are structured and their talent has been groomed in Green Bay, and these contracts are sequenced, even if he takes less money
1: no they're and I not going to be a as big good part next year. of the it, when we discuss the reason that people don't take less money right the reason that that there's this historical narrative that Brady took less money he just the way that new England Um, the way that New England structured his contracts was a little bit different than they did other people. But the main reason that guys don't, quote-unquote, take less money, as you're talking about, is there are a lot of guys that probably would, in theory, take less money to win. They really can't. And the reason that they can't is because the NFLPA is going to go to bat for them and force them to take their maximum contract value. Now the question that you would immediately ask is why? It's none of their business. Well, it is, right? Because if Aaron Rodgers takes twenty-five million next year, every team negotiating a quarterback is gonna go say, Hey, Aaron Rodgers took twenty-five million. Why won't do you think you're better than Aaron Rodgers? Why would we pay you more? Right? So it's I'm not, it's not just, saying that, it, man. I know
0: what you're saying, but he can absolutely get away with taking thirty-five million. And I agree. Thirty-five million again. I agree. So a two-year contract, thirty-five million instead of forty million. That's with the ten million over two years. I, if
1: I were if I were him, I would. The, the NFLPA would intervene, would intervene over five million small.
0: dollars per uh, year. Something
1: that, over something that small. I don't think they would. But if he tried to drop it, so that he was playing essentially like you know, because I think his his dead cap money.
0: No, that, that's good. No, you, it's it's smart to remind people why players simply can't. Offer their services for significantly under market value. It's simply not allowed yeah. by the NFL. And I don't and PA, blame for period. It. Right, because you don't want. To... Right, because right. we can theoretically spin like a <laughs> like a, a hypothetical right. team structure where the quarterback right has hundreds of millions right. of dollars, like Tom Brady, plays for the veteran, minimum. <laughs> just right. Plays for the veteran minimum—that's yeah. that's simply not possible. But it, but it is possible to try to give your team some incremental advantage by not necessarily demanding the full forty or forty-five million dollars per year. Aaron Rodgers no, doesn't, doesn't strike me as that guy, though. He has been yeah. evolving as a person over the last few years. He's, I think, a more self-aware, less selfish, uh, and you listen to him. Yeah, like he just sounds like a different person. Right, So he's trying to live this more holistic life, and good for him. I think it's great. Great. And I think that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to take less money. (laughs) I don't know. I think he should, and he could, but with all these forces at play, there's also the agent, right? The agent that's in the room, their paycheck is determined by a percentage of the contract value. So all these people that surround the player, their entourage, everybody, is incentivized to get that number as big as possible, and it just isn't possible to imagine a world where yeah, Green I Bay mean, lets I Aaron Rodgers I, go. I can't imagine it either. I just can't. I can't, I can't. I can't. In my mind's eye, close my eyes, I'm trying to envision this world where you have the NFL MVP at quarterback, and you let him win. Yeah, walk, I can't see it. Given the advantages that teams have. So what are the advantages that Green Bay has... Well, first of all, other teams, retaining players, beyond just the franchise tag, what are the advantages that the incumbent team has signing their own players to think The to biggest extensions? one,
1: number one, is you. It, it, when we're, we're talking specifically about quarterback, right? Because if you have a receiver, a tight end, a running back, like those are all very different than what we're talking about here. Drafting a quarterback, especially one that's a star, right? He is the man in that city so to speak, right? So one thing that you're going to sell them on, for example, here's a great one. Being the Dallas Cowboys quarterback is worth some material dollar amount. Being the Green Bay Packers quarterback, beyond what you're getting paid, there is endorsement money that is coming to you because you are the Green Bay Packers quarterback. There are there, The world is your oyster in that area of the country because you're the Green Bay Packers quarterback. Every golf club wants you. And granted, that's true no matter where you go, but you've established a life there, right? And, and so that's point number one is you know us, we know you, we have a very good working relationship, we'll get you whatever you need. But more than that, right, their their team structure has been organized around paying said player, right? If a team like Denver, for example, that's not spending $45 million on a quarterback, has to account for that, right? There are going to be pieces that they have to let go. Green Bay has been letting guys go for Aaron Rodgers' money for ten years now, right? Like this is not new to them. The way that their team is built is for him. It suits his skill set. Uh, that mega contract has already
0: right. been carved. It's out. It's just
1: a new mega contract, and and that that's what it is, right? It, it's not the. It's not necessarily. Hey, take Aaron Rodgers' forty million dollars from here and move it here, right? It's this team has already been built around what you do well. Like, if you go back to that. Well, and gr- oh, yeah. Denver also need to give yeah, up yeah, assets yeah. to get yeah. Aaron Rodgers and trade. So at the trade? end of 2022, so at the end of this year, Aaron Rodgers will be a free agent and his void years will accelerate to the cap. And at that point, Green Bay is really in, in scramble mode. So what they're trying to do here, if they can, is get an extension done and push that money out further. To alleviate some of the cap stress that they have now and keep some functional roster together. Now, how much will he take and what does that number look like? I have no idea. It's just one of those things where if they can't get an extension done, you all but know he's gone. He's he's gone. Regardless of the mechanics behind the scenes,
0: no. We've never seen this. We've never seen a franchise quarterback, especially one coming off an MVP season. No. Get moved. It, it's simply and, and now we're talking about a uh, yeah, original franchise with great brand equity in Green Bay where you can pitch Aaron Rodgers <laughs> on that value being associated yeah. with this franchise and this community and this stability and that, you know, yep. all the characters here in the front office and in the coaching staff and and you've built this comfort zone. And, and that seems to be what he wants in life. He wants to live a peaceful, comfortable life. Now you're going to uh, throw yeah. it all up in the air and risk going to another place and creating all these new relationships and you have yep. no idea where the assholes are. Nope. You have no idea where the bodies are buried. And I think that's why you have an yeah. agent. That's why you have advisors. That if you're feeling underappreciated, that your advisors can sit down with you and create a tactical strategy to approaching the negotiations. So seeing where the risks versus the rewards are, and you can actually write it all down, list it all out. And then when you do that, oftentimes the player goes, oh, I guess it's not so bad here after all. Oh, I guess, I guess leaving here would be more risky than I imagined because it's always greener on the other side. So it's like, wow, you know, right. It's got to be better there. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Not so fast. And then sometimes these agents know players on those teams. And they could say, Well, that may be true, but I also heard or I also yep. had an experience with player X and it's not actually you hear it like that. It's not as well, good as you might think it's gonna be. And, and and then that's how we see these players sign these essentially what is just these constantly rolled yeah, over life. That's really
1: contracts. what it is. Like if you have one of those top 5 quarterbacks where you're paying them ungodly money you're going to pay them ungodly money forever right like the the job of a front office is to get that done as quickly as possible so that you're always getting relatively a deal versus the market but i mean you're going to pay them in that upper echelon of guy in theory forever And that's the goal, right? It sounds counterintuitive to say you want to pay a guy a whole lot of money in a a salary cap league, but that's the goal. Your goal is to find a Patrick Mahomes that you can pay $40 million a year and still feel like you're getting a value. That's long-term if you're trying to build a franchise. That's your goal, right? Because you can't pay more than the restraint for said position. But if they can outperform that value, even when they're the highest-paid player in the league, that's when you're really building something long-term. And I think for a long time, Aaron Rodgers was that guy in the NFL that was creating value even when he was the most expensive player in the league. Right? You did a- last and year as now MVP you have this tra- weird transition from like this aloof guy that didn't say a lot to the media, happy-go-lucky, into hipster... And, and, and now now it's destroyed Jeff Brett Favre like this is this is the weirdest timeline and I, I feel bad for Green Bay fans because it's got to feel like it's Favre all over again. uh, oh, is he retiring? Is he going to another team? like th- they lived this this cycle fifteen years ago, and it's kind of wild that, that we're back here again doing the same thing. Yeah, he's, got, it's he's got a
0: man bun. I like it. I like the new Aaron Rodgers because listen, I did not like the old Aaron Rodgers did not like him, least favorite quarterback in the league now. He's in the mix of quarterbacks that I yeah I mean like am fine with. <laughs> I'm well, I'm now officially fine with him. I, instead of like having this, I r- think for raging a really long time
1: we just as casual fans wanted him to be Brady in terms of the way that, in in terms of of the the way that he outwardly shows how much he cares, and I think that it's not necessarily fair to guys like. Justin Herbert, who just aren't the most vocal, outspoken dudes that they get knocked on, especially in the pre-draft process. But when you look at Rodgers, right, like you could tell, you could see it all over his face in that playoff game. Dude was devastated, right? And like, the thing was, and the reason that you and I came on, we were like, I can't imagine Brady retiring with that as the last image, right? I just, I can't imagine that he walks away from Green Bay with his final image being, you know, a home playoff loss in which he put up 10 points. I, I just, that part of it, because c- people are talking about, oh, he right. could retire. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously it's on the table. I mean, he's pushing 40, but I don't think he's retiring. He's not retiring, and, and I'm no, not I'm even not sure either. if Brady's <laughs> retiring. Are we sure I will tell fully you retired? This. If there is a situation in the NFL that I think Brady would come back to, it's Kyle Shanahan and it's, and it's San Francisco to close out the fairy tale, so to speak, and come home. Go home. Just and, go home. And yep. y- Go home. Uh, oh, Trey Lance. <laughs> Trey Lance Dynasty owners. Oh god. That would do so much oh, no. in terms of, of, of juggling juggling quarterback situations in San Francisco. But look like there is there there's that Jimmy Garoppolo con- right? carve out already in look, place. I don't know that there is a better one to one fit out there right now. The run game does a lot of the heavy lifting for San Francisco. They need you to make five to six big time throws a game. What has Brady done his entire career from 2001 to today? Look, it's it when it was first floated out there, I kind of laughed in my head, but I'm like, wait, he's much like Michael Jordan. He's a narrative builder, right? Like you, you watch these productions that he puts out. There's a narrative, and. I think the best way to clear out the Tom Brady narrative is: Oh, he retired. The boogeyman is gone. To oh shit, he went home. We're all screwed, right? And that one last because he did say he would play till forty-five, and I think that that matters to him. I do. I, I, I do think he's a savvy
0: businessman. He is. You do do not Uh, underestimate his ability to get what he wants. I think that under that facade, and and I love him. I like him, but I think he, he's a conniving motherfucker. <laughs> I think that his interpersonal skills are excellent. I think everyone around him appreciates him and enjoys his company and will lay down in traffic for him. Yeah. And that's what you want in a leader, in a leader of men. But I think when he's sitting down with his people, with his are they're, they're going next level. With the strategy and the tactics to get what they want. It's so far as they perhaps engineered that exit from New England. That that was actually Brady's doing all along. And Bill Belichick perhaps had didn't realize what was happening. That he was getting played because Brady looked at the roster and knew this roster's not good enough. And he also saw there were a handful of teams in the league that had rosters that were ready to win if they just had a quarterback namely uh, Tampa Bay. And then he looks at that defense and he sees Sue and Pierre Paul. They're all aging. They're all past the age apex. He sees what happened in the playoffs. He just couldn't score enough points to beat the Rams. And he's like, I I can't win with this defense. I can't win with this defense. Retire. And if another opportunity comes along where it's the the right offensive line, supporting Cass, it's it's the best Yak receivers in the league in San Francisco, a defense that strangled Aaron Rodgers at home. Yeah. Oh, baby. That's that's a strong pitch. If you're John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, that's a strong pitch to someone who is calculating behind the scenes. He is. I'm not going to go as far as conniving. I won't say that I take it back, Tom. Tom. Tom! I take it back. We're going to go calculating, not conniving. I, I love Who, you too much, buddy. The I'm other thing, the other that. thing too is
1: like We've we've seen Trey Lance, and we're all intrigued, right? But if you would, if you were to bring Trey aside and be like, "Look, we're gonna take one shot at this with Tom Brady. Soak it all in for a year. We'll take one shot with Tom Brady. I don't think anyone alive would be upset about that. About knowing that that's what's happening, right? Like, like right. He has one full
0: year starting for a college football team not in a major conference right so he's a non-major conference starter for one year and the idea that trey lance was just going to walk in last year and become the starter right to justify that a best ball adp where he was getting selected before tom brady last year that's the thing that happened and now it's unlikely that brady goes to san francisco just like it's unlikely that jimmy garoppolo comes back though Adam Schefter is still leaving the door open. He's like, well, Trey Lance is still very raw, and you should not assume that Jimmy Garoppolo is leaving, but Jimmy Garoppolo is probably gone. But before we talk about Jimmy Garoppolo and where he could go, there's another non-unrestricted free agent who should be on the move this offseason, and that's Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson could be the best of all, right? Better than Rodgers, better than Brady because he has the mobility with the incredible touch on the deep ball. So there's a number of dominoes that have to fall before the actual free agents, right? The guys that are actually unrestricted are going to be able to even start a negotiation cuz it's like, "Whoa, don't don't talk to me yet." Mitchell Trubisky's agent, Marcus Mariot, <laughs> hey, I love you buddy. Yeah just hold on a minute we, we got some phone yeah. calls to make some, some <laughs> yeah. quarterbacks that could be real difference makers yeah. we'll, we'll we'll get back um,
1: to- I mean I think it's it's funny that that there are dominoes that have to fall before right I mean it's the same every year but it just feels like one of those years where if Rogers stays Watson's the big domino to fall and the thing is until we get clarity who's gonna you know, jump on that, and Houston reportedly wants five to six assets, including three first round picks. like they're asking for the moon, and I, I they're not going to get it. it. It's just
0: well, here's the thing though, The Rams just won the Super Bowl using a strategy that revolved around punting picks yeah. for veteran players, and not just any veteran players, high impact top right. five players of their position. Vaughn Miller. Jalen Ramsey, here's all our draft picks. We'll never t- draft a guy on day one or two unless it's you know this uh, 160-pound God. speedster <laughs> from Louisville that won't get a target yeah. maybe for his entire career. <laughs> but Other than that guy, we need that guy. That one pick we have. That one day two pick. Oh, I've got to get that guy. But that blueprint may convince a team, that, you know what, if the Rams can win... By punting picks for Stafford and, and, and impact defenders, why can't we?
1: Because your strategy hasn't been based on that for years, right? If you're going to punt picks the way that the Rams have, one of the super underrated things about Les Snead and the Rams front office and management is they hit on a lot of those later day picks, and they're able to replace guys they lose at lower impact positions With guys that are NFL starter quality or above in rounds four, five, six, seven, and undrafted. What do I mean by that? Jordan Fuller, sixth round pick. Traven Howard, I believe, undrafted. All of the like there are multiple pieces littered throughout this Rams roster that started in the Super Bowl that were late round picks that are making next to nothing. Now, how a big part of this is health. And, and, and don't forget. Savvy free agent signings. Rob Havenstein was drafted by... Andrew Whitworth. I mean, he was, I think, 35, 36 at the time. And everybody was like, oh, is he going to retire? Because that was... They drafted... Rob Havenstein was a second-round pick. And
0: he was the other anchor, other than Whitworth, who was a savvy free agent
1: signing. Right? They got Odell Beckham for nothing. They they signed Robert Woods. Right? When he left Buffalo, they drafted Cooper Cup, right? Right. And then Higby and I obviously Everett moved on to Seattle. That's the thing that people don't understand of their home growth. Like if you go look at roster construction, the Rams have the sixth most players on their roster that they drafted. The notion that they only have stars is outrageous, right? They're great at self-scouting. They're great at self-scouting, and the most important thing that they do is they know what they draft well, and they will let somebody go when their market value is too high and replace them with somebody else. Right? Like it's like we were talking about earlier. Late round picks are all are all lottery tickets. They're all coins to put in a slot machine. Unless Sneed and company have figured out, okay, we can draft safety really, really, really well. You know what's hard to scout? Cornerback. Let's just go pay for him. We'll draft our safeties and we'll and we'll pay all of our cornerbacks. We'll, we'll give up whatever we need to give up for him. We're just going to go get our guys, right? Just ask the Jacksonville right. Jaguars. CJ Henderson,
0: top 10 pick.
1: And then linebacker, another position. The Rams have historically, in less needs tenure, never really paid a linebacker. It's just find them as you go. Because why? If your coverage unit is good and your pass rush is really good, your linebackers are kind of just a guy, right? It's it's a very unique team-building structure that pe- people are going to try to replicate Smart. the top end of, but you can't replicate the whole thing unless you can replicate the back end of being able to draft well enough to backfill all the guys that you lose. I think
0: the strategy is too risky and too difficult to pull off. If it were me, I would mimic the general roster-building philosophy that you don't overpay running back, you don't overpay linebacker. But the idea that you're just going to punt all your picks and sign a bunch of veterans to bloated contracts, that's generally a failed approach. That's a hard road to be successful. They did it, and congratulations. But I think that using the NFL draft and building incrementally creates a more enduring roster so i think that that's the way to go if you were starting from scratch i don't recommend the less need rams approach but you have to marvel
1: at what they pulled off the the big thing that nobody really discusses about if you're going to build a roster that way is your stars have to stay healthy and be awesome. they have to and be awesome yeah. they have to they they have to perform at the level of their contract or higher and stay healthy and i think that's a big part of it too is no one has invested more in you know preparing athletes for injury preparing them for rehab doing all of this stuff there's an entire rams staff that purely deals with making sure guys aren't overworked in practice there's an entire staff of people that make sure they're they're eating the right things that they're it, it goes so far I need that staff. I need that staff for me. Right? It goes so far beyond that cuz if you if you think about it, right? How many front offices would have even attempted to bring cam Akers back? That that takes a plan from A to Z to get them back in any capacity, forget for a stretch playoff run. Right, There is not another team in the league that's likely going to be able to do that. The A big part of the reason the Rams are the way that they are is they self-scout well. We've gone through that. But also another thing is they've invested so much money in making sure their guys stay healthy that... I I think other teams need to copy more of that than they need to copy the roster building because the roster building is just difficult to do as is. Matthew Staffords are not available on trees every year. You're not going to have a Jalen Ramsey that's available every year. Well, this year there's multiple Matthew Staffords. There's an Aaron Rodgers. There's a
0: Tom (laughs) Brady out there if someone can make the right pitch. There's a Deshaun Watson, though he has flaws and concerns that Matthew Stafford did not come with that kind of baggage.
1: Yeah, but also they're not thirty three. Well, Sean Watson's in his twenties. Oh, that's that's a different story.
0: There's difference making quarterbacks available, kind of absolutely that can help you go to a Super Bowl. That can that can be there. There are Super Bowl winning quarterbacks like Rodgers and Brady. Watson certainly is capable. There's also Russell Wilson, who is kind of out there, pseudo dangled, maybe available no one really knows that's the toughest one right we we know that Aaron Rodgers could be moved that that's there's a higher probability that Rodgers is moved than Russell Wilson it's even higher probability that Rodgers is moved is that Deshaun Watson is on the move Deshaun it mean this is a depreciating asset and
1: Houston needs to cash it in look up right now Go back and look at Russell Wilson's last three playoff wins. I can't find them. I have to go back too far. Okay, okay. the The last three, if I remember correctly, one of them is the ten nine Blair Walsh game. The other one is to a backup in Josh McCown after uh, after the Eagles after Carson Wentz got hurt in the first series. And the third, I can't remember what the third one is, but I think they scored like twelve points. Like, ma- are you one of these people? Are you one of these people? Are you one of these Russell Wilson skeptics? No. No, no, no Tell no, no, me no. you're not. No. No. No, I'm not a Russell Wilson skeptic no. at all. I, I just, I think that that tells you a lot about the team that they've put around him. Thank you. In the last seven years, seven, eight years since they won that Super Bowl, because he's very clearly very capable as a quarterback.
0: How is it that
1: Seattle's not making the same
0: pitch to Russell Wilson that Green Bay's making to Aaron Rodgers? Why you're better off staying in your comfort zone and continuing to be aligned with this brand. Is it, is he doesn't think that, th- that this is a franchise that's at that level of gravitas, that he wants to go somewhere like the New York Giants? He wants those
1: lights? He wants the bright lights? He wants that market? They're not even comparable pitches. Green Bay had a, hosted a home playoff game after a bye. I think the Seahawks were a 6 win team. Like, look at when Russell Wilson went out this year. Look at what the Seattle Seahawks are without him, right? Green Bay is at least a functional roster without Rodgers. Sounds like you believe that Russell Wilson
0: is more likely to be on the move than Aaron Rodgers.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, okay. I, I, yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about it. You're right. You're right. If you're Aaron, worst case scenario, you have a stripped down version of a team that made an a, a, that was the number one seed in the NFC last year. If you're Russell Wilson and they draft spectacularly, you have a bunch of new faces on a six win team. Like I, I, the, the the situations are so non comparable, and I, I think that the the issue if you're Russ is they're going to waste years of my prime that I'm never going to get back, right? It's kind of, to an extent, it's kind of what Rodgers dealt with in the middle of his career where Green Bay couldn't get him a defense, right? I, I, I don't know. If you're Seattle right now, who is more important to your long-term success, Pete Carroll or Russell Wilson? Because you're going to have to make that decision. Uh, Russell Wilson? Yeah. I, I'm I'm with you 100%. But it, it's, look, like they're going to have to make that decision. They didn't make the decision. They didn't fire him. Pete Carroll's still there. And they're. it's going to be made for him sooner than later. Yeah, it's going to be made for them sooner than later. And therein lies the problem of being indecisive, right? If you, if you keep choosing not to make a decision, someone else is going to make the decision for you. And I, the, the longer this goes on, right? Because Russell Wilson historically has been the go Hawks guy, right? Just doesn't say anything negative about the front office, doesn't ever say anything negative about the team. The fact that this stuff is getting out, it's getting out for a reason. Something is going on in, in Seattle, and I'm not sure what exactly the resolution of that is going to be, but if I'm Russ, why would you sit there? Why would you deal with that? Like Why would you deal with an organization that essentially other than you, has two really good wide receivers, a stable of seventh round running backs, an offensive line that we don't think very highly of, and a defense that's aging weirdly and doesn't have a ton of talent, right? Like wh- what's the pitch there? If you're Green Bay, there's a lot to pitch. If you're Seattle, what are you pitching to Russell Wilson? Hey, it rains here 200 days a year. <laughs> so do we
0: agree that the team that should be most willing to give up whatever it takes to get a quarterback is Denver? Yes. So then Denver tries to get Rogers, finds that that's just not feasible, that he's too far down the road of re-signing with Green Bay. No one's returning their calls, and then they call Seattle. Isn't that the next logical step?
1: Yeah. Because, I mean, look, if you're going to give up – here's my thought process. If you're going to give up three first-round picks for somebody, two first-round picks for somebody, they cannot be 40 years old. I'm sorry. They, they, you have two year, two to three years of Rodgers at most, right? Russell Wilson's, what, 32-ish? Russell Wilson is in his prime. right. Like, that's another thing that's going to go on about the discussion about the Rams trading for Stafford. He's 33. He's still got five, six years left. Russell Wilson, if you trade for him, has five or six years left, right?
0: I think Russell Wilson's a stud. I do. I don't care about these playoff losses. I don't care about this narrative. Based on the metrics, he is one of the most efficient quarterbacks year after year after year. Does not turn the ball over. Surround him with talent. Give him a defense and a better offensive line. The reason to stay in Seattle
1: is DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. That's it. That's the reason. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and look, not saying that that's not appealing. If you're a quarterback to have, you know, a freak in Metcalf and a guy in Lockett that just finds ways to get open. Like there's no there's no shame in coming back to Seattle. All I'm saying is if you're Seattle, what do you have to pitch? It's a great it's a great point. It's a great point.
0: So what's going to happen? Lay out the timeline for us. We need to understand what's going to happen with Watson and Rogers and Ross and most likely Brady stays retired. And that has to all play out before any of these quarterbacks sign? Or do you think that there are teams that know they're not in the market for those premium quarterbacks? They're not willing to give up picks. They're not willing to mortgage the future for... A couple of years of Rodgers, just depending on where they're at in the rebuilding process, there may be teams that need a bridge quarterback. Could they be out here signing a Mitchell Trubisky or a Marcus Mariota on day one or day two of free
1: agency? Yeah, I mean, like that's definitely possible. But in order to do that, if doing your due diligence as a GM, you have to have made those calls to Green Bay, made the calls to Houston, made the calls to Seattle. Made the calls even to Atlanta to see if, if they'd move Matt right. Ryan. That's the last one. I don't think that's going to happen because the division
0: has been so degraded with New Orleans clearly not able to even attract you know, anyone but Dennis Allen to coach the team. That's the signal that this thing is get, getting blown up, and the Buccaneers losing Tom Brady and Carolina flailing. Carolina's going to go for it. They're going to try to get into the playoffs. At 8-9, and nine, you can see it already. The team that should be trying their damnedest and giving up whatever it takes to get Deshaun Watson is Tampa. Because if they get Deshaun Watson, for the next few years, Tampa is going to be in the playoffs. And so they're going to be drafting very yeah. late in the first round. So that first rounder is not as valuable as a team that's likely going to have a losing record and be drafting potentially in the top 10. You know you're drafting in the 20s. That pick has a lot less value. You need I'm sure. I mean, hasn't Jason Light already called Houston and offered two first-rounders? That seems to be something that should have already happened by now. I feel
1: like he has, but the, the hang-up here, right, is we have no idea how long it's going to take for all the legal stuff to play out, right? It, it, I think if you're an NFL team, your goal here is going to be to figure out, okay, how quickly can we get all of this zipped up to the point that we can proceed with the trade is not— like you can trade for Watson and just wait this out. The problem is we need some kind of clarity, right? And you can't give up two to three first round picks and other assets, which is what Houston wants. The other the other assets. I love that there's other assets, like the three first round. <laughs> the, they, they want three first round picks and reportedly two to three starters. I'm like, I, <laughs> that's just an asinine trade request. I, I mean, yeah, I get there's a guy like that in every dynasty league, right? Yeah, give me your next 19 first-round picks, and I'll give you Tom Brady. Okay, guys. do pound sand, bro. <laughs> yeah, I just i, I don't know what, what, what's going to happen with that end. I think the first domino to fall is going to be Rodgers, and I think it's going to be an announcement that he comes back to Green Bay. Um, Brady probably stays retired, much to the chagrin of all of us, because we'd love to see him play again. Uh, Watson, I don't even know, is going to get done this offseason. But it feels like the longer Houston holds on to him, the less value he has, which is odd. But, I mean, if if he doesn't play in 2022, it's going to be two full years that he hasn't thrown a pass. So yeah. I'm telling you, man. This
0: thing's depreciating. This is a depreciating asset. Now, again, it could all get cleared up.
1: And then his value surges because there's a resolution to the off-the-field uh, lawsuits. I would not... I would not take the gamble. Personally, I would wait for it to play out. And if it takes three first rounders instead of two, that clarity knowing what we know is worth that first round pick to me. Because the thing is, you cannot sink two first round picks into somebody that may not ever play. Like, like there, there's there's just so much going on here that you're sitting there wondering, hey, can we do this? Probably not. Like you can't you can't sit there and sell your fan base on, hey, we have the rights to Deshaun Watson if he can play. So
0: would it make sense for Tampa to sign Trubisky for ten million and then continue to pursue Watson throughout the offseason? Is that even feasible with their salary cap situation because they've had to pay all these veterans? Then you go ahead and
1: pay Trubisky on top of that. They certainly can't afford to keep Godwin. No. Um I think they could do it the way that they would have to do it is they'd have to wait till the end of the year though. Like, and I think that that logically are where we're heading, right? There's a lot of chatter about Watson. And my thing from the start is I don't think he plays in 2021. He didn't, it's starting to look like legally because you can't uh, l- l- let's also address the other ele- elephant in the room. The NFL has not suspended him, right? Houston held him out. So, if you, in theory, were able to, to obtain his rights, the NFL's gonna suspend him, right? They just haven't been forced to that measure yet. Oh, then you definitely need Trubisky. Yeah, well, if if he misses 2022 also, who's to say that he doesn't get suspended a full season in 2023, and now you've traded three first-rounders for a guy that's gonna start for you potentially in 2024? Like, there's there's just no way to wrap your head around that. Because at that point he's 29 pushing 30. Like there's so much that needs to be resolved here. That if you're asking somebody, hey, why not get him at a discount now while things are cloudy? Well, the discount isn't a discount anymore if he's not going to play for two years, right? Like, like there's there's so much of this that needs sorted out before I'd even consider doing it. The discount is not a discount. The discount that you're going to get on getting him now versus getting him later it's not worth the lack of peace of mind that knowing that having a resolution would bring. So if i were the gm i would not do it. i would not do it right now. wait for that. let them hold let them hold the proverbial grenade as long as you want them to cuz they're going to have to move him eventually. the thing is they have no they they can't do anything about when they move him. if they want what they what they think he's worth. do you agree that Trubisky's the
0: best available unrestricted free agent? Is Jameis Winston available?
1: Yes, but he's coming off a torn ACL. Send him back to Tampa. I think that'd be fun. You think Jameis Winston's better than Mitchell Trubisky? I don't. I don't know. You know, like I I the the thing is, we've seen Jameis do incredible things and terrible things. We've seen the same from Trubisky, but the level of talent on their team was not equatable at all. So I have no idea what Mitchell Trubisky is really as an NFL quarterback. I know he started a lot of games for the Bears under Matt Nagy and, and early on there was a lot of smoke and mirrors and, and you know like they did well offensively, like well enough. Um, I just I don't know what he is as an NFL quarterback, whereas Jameis Winston, I can tell you what he is. He is potentially the most reckless quarterback I've ever seen. And at times, it's awesome. <laughs> but he wasn't reckless last year. No, right? Which kind of proves to you that he can be tamed to an extent.
0: He's not going to be able to participate in camp. This is why I'm out on Jameis Winston. If my team signs Jameis Winston, I'm not happy because you can't install the offense fully with a guy with an e brace who's rehabbing. Matt, what is there to install? If he goes back to Tampa, what is there to install? If he goes to Tampa, right? Yes, he has Mike Evans. (laughs) They run it back. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the move is to go Trubisky. Okay. According to Mike Clay, Teddy Bridgewater has the most perceived value of all these unrestricted free agents. I like Bridgewater, but what? You had Judy and Sutton and even Tim Patrick and two of the best, most athletic receiving tight ends in the league, Fant and a and you couldn't do anything? Come on, man. Come on. Teddy Bridgewater is an adequate backup. It's true. At this point in his career, we've decided this is what he is. This is what he is. He's a quality NFL backup. There is upside with Trubisky. There's upside with Winston. That this is a, a, These are players that have the arm talent, the athleticism, that they could actually help you win some games. There are some games that Mitchell Trubisky yeah. won in Chicago with one of the league's least impressive supporting casts with one of the worst offensive lines. I want to see Trubisky get a second shot, and I want to see Marcus Mariota get a second shot. So that's the one for you.
1: The one for me is Marcus Mariota because the thing is, I, th- I feel like his, we erase a lot of the good stuff that he did in Tennessee because of what immediately followed with Tannehill and the success that they've had after, right? All the guy has done is put his body on the line over and over and over and over and over again. And I think the past couple years, getting the chance to actually heal up and be fully healthy and not take two years' worth of quarterback hits that you just have to take. Because, I mean, it's not just sacks, right? We look at it as, oh, so-and-so got sacked. Joe Burrow got sacked 70 times. Yeah, but all the other hits where he got the ball off still count too, you know? It's not like your body just rejects it. It's not like you didn't take those hits. And so I would love to see him get a shot. I think Washington might be a fun fit if they could. Um, They've got some fun weapons, and, you know, like these guys are going to start somewhere. I think, I think Mariota is going to start somewhere. I think, will Bridgewater start somewhere? That's an interesting question. I think somebody's going to talk themselves into it. Um, Winston, who knows? Uh, Mitch Trubisky, who knows, right? Like I think of those five, I think you're going to have maybe two, possibly three, get an actual shot to be a starter next year. Whereas the other two guys are just going to take, you know, generic backup roles where they think they can get some snaps. Marcus Mariota was mentally broken in Tennessee,
0: and it's a shame, because had he been able to keep that starting job, that was A.J. Brown's rookie year, and A.J. Brown had one of the most impressive and efficient rookie years we've ever seen, yards per reception over 20, and yet Marcus Mariota's yards per attempt in that season, just 160 pass attempts, but 7.5, which isn't the worst. But in comparison to Ryan Tannehill's 9.6 yards per attempt, it looked bad, right? But Marcus Mariota that year had a 60% completion percentage and seven touchdowns, only two interceptions. It's just that what A.J. Brown was doing for Tannehill made Tannehill look so—Tannehill's never been that efficient ever again, right? You have to think that Mariota could have had a comparable season to Tannehill if they retained faith in him, but he just refused— just refused in that season to push the ball downfield at all. Something happened to him where he lost his confidence, he lost his mojo. It That could be it, man. You lose your mojo in, in a, a partial season where you just started six games, you had a, a, some bad yep. games, and you lost some confidence, and now your career's over as the second overall pick, one of the best college quarterbacks of all time? That's a raw deal. That's a raw deal. Mitchell Trubisky got a raw deal in Chicago. And Mariota got a raw deal in Tennessee.
1: There's your number one and number two pick. What was that, 2014? 2015? And Mariota and Winston. Yeah, Mariota and Winston. And here they are, seven years later, right as you're hoping that your franchise quarterback is signing their first mega, mega deal. And here's who else is available. Just give a thumbs up, thumbs down. Is this
0: player even worth signing? Ryan Fitzpatrick. Sure, as a backup. Andy Dalton.
1: Yeah. Great backup. Cam Newton. Maybe. We need to see where he is is physically. Would you rather have Cam Newton or Tyrod Taylor? Tyrod Taylor. Would you rather have Tyrod Taylor or Jacoby
0: Brissett? They're about equal to me. I'd go Brissett. I'd go Brissett. And and (laughs) the fact that Newton is behind all these guys is just so telling. It's so telling where he's not wired to be a backup in the league. If he's not going to be the starter, he's not interested. And I don't blame him. I, I don't blame him. And I get it. I get it. How could you go from being in this place, national champion, first overall pick, one of the great rookie seasons we've ever seen at quarterback, Super Bowl appearance, commercials, promotions, fans going crazy for your touchdown celebration with your Superman shirt rip open thing, and then you're going to be just a backup where you're going to be engaged as a backup? Nah, man. You don't want that. The last thing you want, especially if you have a young, developing quarterback, is a backup who doesn't think he's a backup, who hasn't internalized his role. Yeah, that's tough. It's very dangerous. So there's not that many places where you can actually see Cam Newton landing and having a positive impact on his team. Now at running back, we have Leonard Fournette. I think he's the the gold standard at running back. He is an all-purpose stud. Still has a couple elite. Production, years left, size, speed, incredible receiving skills. If Tampa goes out and signs a quarterback and, best case scenario, trades for Deshaun Watson, they may convince Leonard Fournette to come back. But I doubt it. Yeah. I doubt it. Without Brady, I think that the magic is gone. I think he's lost that love and feeling. And he's going to go somewhere else. Whether or not a team is willing to pay him is the question. He's the top of the market. He's the clear top of the market. What do you think he's gonna command?
1: (laughs) Seven million maybe per year? Maybe. Maybe a two years, 14 million? Yeah. Something like
0: that. Something like that. That's that's where we're at with the running back position. What about Ronald Jones? (laughs) He's a free agent. He's definitely gone. He definitely gone. He's lost the trust of the team and the coaches. He's definitely gone. He's going to sign a prove-it deal, what, $3 million a year? Somewhere to be a backup, backup between the tackles grinder. The problem with a the between-the-tackles grinder that fumbles is you can't trust him in the red zone. That's the problem, that's the great dilemma with Ronald Jones. And yet, Mike Clay believes that Ronald Jones has more perceived value around the league than Rashad Penny. That's an interesting thing. But I think Rashad Penny is one of the most coveted free agents at running back. He had the highest breakaway run rate in the league last year number one in yards per carry, all these advanced uh, running metrics, right? Not necessarily you know a, a, a target magnet, but certainly had the best season of any running back just in terms of maxing out what they're giving you on a per carry basis. I think he's interesting. I think he still has something. Like, who would you rather have? Would you rather have Michelle or Penny at this point? Because they were drafted at the same draft class. They're both past the age apex. They're age 26.
1: But I think Penny flashed more juice last year than Michelle, though. They both look good. I think it depends on what you need, right? If you just straight up need a body, right? If if you're just looking for your RB two as just a guy. Uh, I think Michelle fits that role perfectly. But if you need some kind of explosiveness, if you're looking, if you, if you have kind of more of a one B running back and you need him to split more time, so to speak with someone, then I think you go Penny. Um, it's just, I think that Sony Michelle has more wear and tear on him than Penny does, but Penny has all of the injuries. So you've got kind of like the, it's the, do I want six of one half dozen of another? It, it, they're they're similar. Penny's probably more explosive. You know what you get more with Michelle on a snap to snap basis. So it kind of take your pick. But to me, they're they're very similar in terms of how I'd value them and and what you'd throw their way monetarily the guy that I'm interested in is Patterson
0: yeah there's a clear top 10 the clear top 10 Fournette Melvin Gordon Chase Edmonds quarter Patterson James Connor James White Sony Michelle Rashad Penny Ronald Jones I'm very interested in Marlon Mack Marlon Mack is interesting to me because I think Marlon Mack just got unlucky that he got hurt in the year that the team drafted Jonathan Taylor what are you gonna do yeah you're not gonna be better than Jonathan Taylor it's bad luck Right? You're right, But he has an all-purpose talent. He has explosiveness. He is a quality receiver out of the backfield. He demonstrated that at South Florida also in his first couple of years in the league. He was actually used more as a satellite back. He was accused of bouncing too many runs outside. I like him. I like Marlon Mack. I think that some team is going to get a, a real value on Marlon Mack. And a savvy front office to watch is Buffalo signing either Marlon Mack or Rashad Penny. That's why... You can't get too far out over your skis in Dynasty with Devin Singletary because yep, it it took two point seven five years for that team to finally commit to Devin Singletary. Eh. You know, it they don't view him as a proper workhorse back. He was just the best they had, and he played well. He's gonna have a big role. And if they sign a Marlon Mack. I think Devin Singletary is still the starter, but it's going to be a 60-40 split. Rashad Penny could just win that job. If Rashad Penny shows up in shape and super explosive like he was last year, he's just going to win that job in Buffalo. Cordero Patterson is interesting. Cordero Patterson is going to have an effect on wins and losses in the NFL, unlike most running backs, which simply don't. And I think he lands on a playoff team, don't you?
1: Of all of the guys that we've talked about, he's the most interesting to me. Um, Just because of the way that he's used, right? And, you know, is he a running back? Is he a receiver? He's whatever you want him to be. He's just, you know, throw him out there and let him go. I think, you know, almost every team in the league could use a guy like that. And that's why I think his market's going to be a little more inflated than other guys. But where he lands is definitely going to be a playoff team. I don't think he's going to, you know... Take a bunch of money to go to Detroit. I just don't see it happening. You know
0: where he needs to go? Where? Tennessee. He's an excellent complement to Derrick Henry. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? It's like Derrick Henry and then the, the next carry is like a pitch to Cordero Patterson. And then you know that Tennessee lacks depth at wide receiver. So you do a lot of motion of Patterson, motioning him out wide. You have these split back sets. You can have so much creativity with Henry and Patterson and A.J. Brown. And, and that nucleus of skill positions, I think that would be great. You can still keep your, you know, you can keep your precious, you know, run to pass ratio instead of pass to run ratio. It's normally a pass to run ratio, but they have run so much in Tennessee, they, they, they want to do a run to pass ratio. And you can still keep, you know, prioritizing the run, you know, but but at least get the ball in a player like Cordell Patterson's hands. Now, for fantasy gamers, it's not going to be great. He's not going to have a big role. But for real-life football, when I think about Corderell Patterson, I'm more interested in the real-life football aspect of it. And I would love to see him on a team that has a great runner. And I think he's just just the perfect complement to go to either Cleveland with Chubb or to Tennessee. And it's interesting. Kareem Hunt is not an unrestricted free agent, but he's guaranteed nothing. He's guaranteed nothing, and... He's scheduled to make $5 million. So if you're Cleveland, do you keep a backup running back for $5 million if it's it's totally
1: unguaranteed? I could see them doing it just because, you know, we've seen how well Chubb and Hunt work together. Um, but if not, then yeah, I could definitely see Cordero go in there. I mean, do they need the money? Do they need the cap space? I don't think Cleveland necessarily
0: needs no. the cap space. The problem is. The cap hit is actually not five million; it's six point two five million. It's unlikely a team's going to pay this guy six plus million dollars to be a backup running back. It, it could happen for to keep the continuity that does work so well, and he is good. And you know he would rise right up to the top. Like it would be Leonard Fournette and then Kareem Hunt if he becomes available. So that would be interesting. Yeah. And you got to look for Buffalo to sign him. In that point, I think Buffalo would love to have a guy like Kareem Hunt.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he's proven. Um, over the past couple of years that he's very capable in a full-time role. I mean, whenever Chubbs missed time, he's been, you know, waiver priority number one on the wire and an excellent fantasy football player. Great in real life too. Chase Edmonds too.
0: I think Chase Edmonds, if my rankings would be, if Hunt gets cut, it would be Fournette and Hunt and then Edmonds and then Patterson. If I were an NFL GM, that's who I'd prioritize because – with Edmonds, you get a little more upside. He's a better pure runner. He's a lot younger, but he's also an electric receiver. I love that. Because after that, you're down to the James Connors and the James Whites and the Sony Michels. If you want, you know, receiving backs or just, you know, backs that have been around. Uh so yeah, I guess Rashad Penny, Marlon Mack. So my rankings would go uh, Fournette, Hunt, Edmonds, Melvin Gordon, Rashad Penny, Marlon Mack. I really think Marlon Mack should should be up there and Corderell Patterson. Melvin Gordon, he's breaking the mold, man. Everyone's like, oh, well, running backs, they break down in their late 20s. Melvin Gordon's going to be out here at age 28, age 29, putting up 1,000-yard seasons just in your face. Just in your face. And I have no idea where he's going to go. These, these running backs have to go somewhere. There's at least 10 quality running backs here because once you get past... The Marlon Max, the James Whites, the 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 James Connors. Then you're in the Raheem Mostert zone where you're not sure what he is, if he's even gonna come back from injury and be viable. Jarek McKinnon was the we just saw a little flash in with the Chiefs. We're not sure what he is. What's what's Darrell Williams outside Kansas City? Probably nothing. David Johnson, nothing left. Dante Foreman looked good. Dante Foreman looked good, but Yeah. If you're an NFL team, why would you sign Dante Foreman when you could get Rashad Penny at value, or Sonny Michelle at value, or even James Conner at value. You're not going to sign Dante Foreman. These guys are going to be waiting weeks
1: to sign. It's going to be sad. Yeah. It's just, it's, it does not pay to be a running back anymore. It really doesn't. And it's, I mean, it is sad, right? Like, you look down this list, Justin Jackson fell in admirably. He's got to come back, though. Justin, they have the most cap space.
0: You know the priority for Los Angeles is going to be to sign the players they like to extensions. With all this cap space, they're going to sign Mike Williams. They're going to sign Justin Jackson to extensions. They're going to have to. I talked to Austin Eckler about it. He said Justin Jackson's the best they got behind him. I wanted it to be Joshua Kelly.
1: It's not. <laughs> <laughs> I love that Austin Eckler told you that to your face. <laughs> he didn't say it in you know
0: so precisely. it wasn't just on the nose. He alluded to it.
1: You know, I I, I was
0: reading between the lines. Now, we're going to have to have a whole show on the wide receiver position because this is an awesome wide receiver position. So let's just quickly talk about the wide receiver position, but we're going to have a whole show. The next show is just going to be wide receiver focused because this is perhaps the best wide receiver class for free agents I've ever seen. Adams, Godwin, Juju Smith-Schuster, Allen Robinson, Odell Beckham, Mike Williams, Michael Gallup, Christian Kirk, Will Fuller, DJ Shark. That's just the top 10. All starters, all high-impact players before you start going down to, oh, Crowder and Russell Gage and Braxton Barrios, also good players. And you keep going down the board and you're like, oh wait, holy cow, Cedric Wilson was pretty good last year. He's a free agent. Wait a second. Byron Pringle was good last year. He's a free agent. Isaiah McKenzie. That boy was good. Right? That McKenzie fella. I don't know why. That's my, yes, McKenzie. I like that McKenzie. He's a good, uh, he's uh he, he drink a little scotch after the game there. I don't know why I try to do Scottish. I don't know why. McKenzie is just, it's like the most quintessential Scottish name. And I, I stink at the accent. So just keep doing it. Get, not going to stop. And you know my guy, Bray Berrios, I think, is the best value of all these guys. He's going to extend. I think these these teams often know what they have, and while we project these players to move, oftentimes they don't. Berrios is a great example. He's probably going to stay put. Justin Jackson, probably going to stay put. Guys like that. Russell Gage. My sense is Atlanta knows what they have with Russell Gage, and he's going to stay put. I think that pff, if I'm Kyler Murray, I'm lobbing, lobbing strong to have... Christian Kirk get extended. Yeah. They might not. They might not, but my 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 worry is that they've lost so much faith in Rondell Moore because they, they refused to let him operate down the field. Just outright refused based on whatever they were seeing in practice that they may have to sign Kirk, just re-sign him for whatever, you know, whatever the the market value is. And then you go down the board. I think a lot of these guys are going to re-sign. I I bet Las Vegas appreciates Zay Jones. Zay Jones surged. Do you know how heavily the team used Zay Jones at the end of last year? Can I just, let me just explain this to you? Let me just explain this to you. He goes from an 18% snap share in week seven. They have the bye week. He comes out of the bye week. Something happened in the bye week. I don't know what happened in the bye week. There was something happened. Some light came on in the bye week. 95% snap share. He goes from running two routes to running 42 routes. Two to 42. And then suddenly he's seeing at a minimum a 60% snap share. And he commanded seven plus targets from week 14 through week 19 in the playoffs. Nine, seven, eight, 10, eight, eight. Final two games one against the Chargers, which was essentially a playoff game. Winner gets in. And then against the Bengals, a total in those two games, final two games. Six red zone targets for Zay Jones. Had a bunch of double-digit fantasy games. Yeah, that'll work. He's underrated. I think that there's got to be an NFL team that saw that and wants to bring this guy in, especially when they go to playerprofiler.com and they see that he's an impressive athlete, just a late bloomer. Yeah, He was a late bloomer. We saw that. He had this incident in a hotel room. Remember when he got paranoid in a hotel room, and and someone called the police because he was out on the balcony and weird stuff was happening with like his brother. Remember he and his brother got into something.
1: I do not remember this.
0: In a hotel room, early in his career, and I think that this happens that some players just aren't ready to be professionals. They're not ready to put the work in, and then they're humbled, and then it just depends on how they come out of it. And most of them don't come out of it. They spiral, and they we never see them again. They're gone. You know, you, who would be surprised if Zay Jones was out of the league and you found out he was drafted by the USFL? No one would be surprised by that three years ago. And now you look up and he's the target leader at the end of the year for the Raiders. It's like, oh, what's, how is this possible? He, The light came on, man. He had the physical skills. He was a mega producer, but it was at East Carolina, small school. He's finally putting it all together at age 26. This is a
1: career path for wide receivers. We have seen this before. I mean, I could see him do it. I, I think that he probably ends up back in Vegas. I think they, they, know, what they, they know what they've got yep. there. They know so many of these players, the teams know what they have. So then
0: the question becomes, okay, the top-tier players, Devontae Adams
1: staying put, right? I think so, too. Chris yeah. Godwin leaving or staying? Give me another week on that one. Because I kind of want to see what they do. Other, like, it, other contracts that they, they redo will tell you about whether they're going to keep him or not.
0: Nobody knows what's happening. If someone thinks they know what's happening with Godwin, they don't. And it's a good time to remind people that the, by far and away, the highest probability landing spot for Chris Godwin is Tampa. Okay? Always. Juju has already said goodbye on social media. We know they don't need him. They're rebuilding. He's the, the third wheel in that passing game, he's gone. He's a favorite to land in Kansas City. You agree with that? They need him. I think that's that's something that, that will be as expected when he signs. With, not if, when he signs with Kansas City. Allen Robinson. Hey. Who's the favorite to land Robinson? Because it's not going to be Chicago. That one we know. He That relationship has been destroyed. Uh, he's bitter. He did not want to be franchise tagged. He hates that franchise. Uh, super embittered. And he's leaving for sure and the question is where's he going they need him right you might say oh Gabe Davis yeah they do gabriel davis has not done anything in the regular season yes he had the four touchdown game but he produced the same numbers two consecutive years so he hasn't actually elevated his game in the regular season the way you might think because oh that playoff game that was one playoff game it was it was important it it, it matters certainly it elevated his profile he, he 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 rose up the dynasty rankings player profilers dynasty deluxe package you can see rookie rankings you can see the dynasty rankings you see this exact lifetime value how it compares to other to running backs in the same tier other positions in the same tier we also have a draft planner so if you're in a startup it shows you exactly where you should be drafting a gabriel davis whether it's in super flex or single quarterback hopefully you're playing super flex but man with with, with Stephon Diggs is a quintessential Z receiver. Yep. Jerry Rice was a Z receiver, right? A lot of great receivers play Z. And Allen Robinson is the quintessential X receiver. Put him one on one against the league's best cover corners and let him win. And if you think Stephon Diggs has been efficient so far, wait and see what happens when he's playing across from Allen Robinson. They're losing Emmanuel Sanders. He's washed, he's gone. Cole Beasley is going to be 32. Gabriel Davis is not a lock to break out. So that is just dead on, my friend. Beckham's coming back to the Rams, right? I agree with that. I think he's going to be back. He has to come back. They finally develop rapport, and he's playing top of the world in the Super Bowl. And at that very moment, he tears his ACL. Heartbreaking.
1: We're all in agreement, right? If he doesn't tear his ACL, he probably wins Super Bowl MVP, which is a very 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 far cry from what the narrative surrounding Odell Beckham Jr week 6 and week 7 was heart just goes to show you a change of scenery's matter breaking watching it
0: i was like i i, I was like in pain i had like a, my whole sternum was just like uh, cracking in half i was like this this guy this guy did not deserve this this is wrong what's happening to him this sucks <laughs> just <laughs> shitty and he needs to come back because the beauty is the Rams are gonna make the playoffs. So they don't need him in weeks one through eight.
1: If he's rehabbing for the first month and a half, okay. Who cares? Because remember, he was signed to be your third wide receiver. Robert Woods is coming back. <laughs> Robert
0: Woods is gonna be back and you have Van Jefferson playing well. Not in the Super Bowl, but other
1: other times, sometimes, maybe. Yeah. I mean that's Matt, that's the that's the crazy part about this, right? They're gonna they're gonna re sign Odell Beckham Jr. And they're going to get Robert Woods back. (laughs) It's going to be great. Mike Williams going back.
0: Chargers have the most cap space. Michael Gallup probably gone because he's a third wheel, and I think that they're going to prioritize re-signing and extending Cedric Wilson. Gallup gone. We've talked about him landing in Philadelphia, that his skill set is a great fit with Philadelphia. I could see it. I could see him landing in Philadelphia very easily. I could see him landing in Jacksonville. But I think Godwin's going to be, essentially, the Aaron Rodgers of the wide receivers. Where everyone's going to be wondering what's happening with Godwin and Tampa, what direction is Tampa going, what direction does Godwin want to go, and if you're Howie Roseman, you're going to wait and see what happens with Godwin. If you're Buffalo, you want to see what happens with Godwin. Not that they could really afford Godwin, probably, but it seems like Adams and Godwin are the only two that are going to command big contracts. That yeah. After Adams and Godwin, it's going to be value. And that's that's where you yeah. think oh Buffalo's going to maybe dabble on a value receiver. Uh but but who's going to pay up for Godwin? Who can pay up for him? Philadelphia could, certainly Jacksonville could, uh, the Chargers could, but I think they're just going to prioritize signing the guy they they know and that he has rapport with Herbert, built in rapport. Why would you mess with that? Although Godwin would be would be cool. Once Godwin signs, then Gallup will then be on the move somewhere. Yep. And might look up, and he's got a Jacksonville Jaguars uh, helmet on. Not great. Right? That wouldn't be great for him. No. Trevor Lawrence played hurt last year. He had that that shoulder injury that lingered all year. And I think he's going to be healthy. They're going to improve the offensive line. Evan Neal likely going to Jacksonville, the 101, according to the mocks. And look out, right? He gets his college teammate back at running back. Mm-hmm. Woo! Right? DJ Shark, likely gone.
1: Yeah. I think they draft somebody, though.
0: Yeah. So they're going to draft. We know they're going to draft. They have two third-round picks.
1: This is a very good wide receiver draft class, by the way. It's a very deep wide receiver, so they could go David Bell at
0: value. Uh, Justin Ross could fall to them. There are a couple small school receivers. Jalen Tolbert and Christian Watson slipped in the third round. Yes. Give me Justin Ross back with his college quarterback. I love that. Yeah, there's a lot of options. There's a lot. They're just trying to reprise the Clemson, right? Just bring Justin Ross in.
1: Just bring back 2019 Clemson. Just run right, so all- you, <laughs> you lose
0: Gallup. You, you, Marvin Jones' deal expires in a year. And then that you have a nucleus of Gallup and Chenault and Justin Ross. That sounds good to me. Because then then Chenault can just play slot full-time, which is what he should be doing. So I, I want them to get an, an outside receiver and draft another outside receiver just to ensure that Chenault never plays outside of her again. That's the move. That's the move. I think Kirk's going to resign because I, I just don't think they trust Rondale Moore to play that role. So that's my 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 theory of the case for why Kirk stays in Arizona. Although he could end up in a place like Buffalo too. Yeah. He could end up in a place like Philadelphia. These are just the teams we, we know are going to be in the market for a wide receiver.
1: Will Fuller, does he play another NFL snap? I think he plays another NFL snap. I have no idea who it's for. It's just the Will Fuller saga is endlessly interesting because when he's on the field and fully healthy, he's still explosive, but he's never on the field and he's never healthy. So, I I don't know what you do like if you're a team that signs him, right? Like either he's a depth signing or You put him in a cryo chamber and bring him out come playoff time? Like, I I don't know. I don't know what to do with (laughs) Will Has anyone ever tried that? No, but I want to see someone try it.
0: That would be genius. (laughs) So, last guy I want to talk about briefly DJ Shark. He's interesting because he has size and he has explosive downfield playmaking ability. So, if you have Mm -hmm. a field stretcher with size, I'm very interested. It makes me think that Belichick might be interested in a guy like that.
1: I think that would be a really,
0: good I think it would be excellent because you have Kobe Myers again, slot flanker. You have Kendrick Bourne at slot flanker. Also there'd have two slot flankers, whoever's playing Z versus slot. Who cares? They don't have an X, right? They don't have one. So they need someone that can play outside. You see a lot of these guys are going to either resign like Mike Williams and Odell Beckham, or they might command more money than new England wants to pay. Uh, Allen Robinson, for example, Michael Gallup, for example. And then so they might be down to shark. And so it'd be very interesting to see what happens with shark. But like with the quarterback position, it's it's not just what happens uh, with Devontae Adams and Chris Godwin, where we know what's going to I mean. Spoiler alert, Adams is going to get franchise tagged or just extended. And Godwin, more likely than not, staying in Tampa. But there are some players that could be traded like Calvin Ridley like Michael Thomas. Yeah. So these are some situations that may need to be monitored and teams might want some clarity on before they go ahead and sign a DJ Shark. Hey, what the hell? Why would I sign Shark and prioritize him when we could be in the mix to get Calvin Ridley or we could be in the mix to get Michael Thomas? I think New England would be a great fit for Michael Thomas. I think they know Michael Thomas from practicing together. That's why they signed Brandon Cooks a few years back. And Michael Thomas wants... Out. I think there's a higher likelihood that Thomas is moved. I think Thomas is more likely than
1: not to be moved. I think that Calvin Ridley is more likely than not to stay in Atlanta. Do you agree with that? I, I think it's going to be tougher to pry Ridley away from Atlanta than it would be to pry Thomas away from New Orleans just because they are in the middle of a rebuild, and I think they've accepted that. Um, Thomas, to me, the my favorite fit for him, I, I think he'd be great in yeah. New England. My favorite fit for him is actually to send him to Jacksonville and give Trevor Lawrence that third and whatever I need a guy guy Um, we dare to
0: dream we dare to dream I've already pegged Jacksonville as next year's Cincinnati so we just dude, stop stop doing this to me stop daring me to dream can you stop stop dude stop with the dreaming and the making me dream they said since he could never do it (laughs) And and there we were I can't see Thomas going anywhere but to a contender but maybe maybe Maybe, stranger
1: things. That would be strange, though. It's hard not to like, – look, I understand Jacksonville was, was really, really bad this year. But it's hard to go back and watch Trevor Lawrence in college and see anything other than, oh, my God, is that guy going to be good. And you saw flashes yes. last year. This, the, some, this the, some of the Trevor Lawrence flashes are like, oh, that's why they took him number one overall.
0: Please, 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 please go trade for Trevor Lawrence. Single quarterback, super... Doesn't matter. It's a lot easier to get in a single quarterback. I would
1: love to get him in a single quarterback. I know that historically it's it's ugly, right? Like, taking Jacksonville players, especially quarterback, is ugly. But my God, I I mean, like, look, there's nobody that I've ever seen that can do all of the things that Trevor Lawrence is capable of doing. And now you're giving him Dougie P... And he's going to have a room full of weapons that they're going to surround him with. I I Just long-term, I think that Trevor Lawrence is an absolute buy at what you can get him for. While everybody's going to be clamoring for, you know, Mac Jones. Look, Trevor Lawrence is going to throw the ball in his career a whole, whole, whole lot more, I think, than Mac Jones ultimately will. And, I mean, you, you can get him at a value now. I mean, I don't think this time next year, I don't think you're going to be able to get him for what you'd want him for. So... The move in single quarterback leagues is to draft a quarterback
0: like in round two. Because in single quarterback leagues, the wide receiver depth in the second round is not what it is in Superflex. Because the quarterbacks displace the wide receivers in Superflex. So you have all these quality receivers making it to the second round. T. Higgins, right? Yep. Those guys are rarely available in the second round in a single quarterback context. So go ahead and take a Trevor Lawrence if he slips because you know it's like oh all the te- most teams have their quarterback right most teams have a, a Patrick Mahomes already they have a Tom Brady they have a an Aaron Rodgers so they're not in the market for a quarterback and, and and then a Trevor Lawrence can slip to you in the second round well even if you already have your quarterback even if you already have a Justin Herbert and you're excited about him you go ahead and tr- take Lawrence and then what happens is Herbert takes a step forward and you trade Herbert. So in single quarterback, what I would do if I had Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, trade those guys and keep Lawrence and trade one of those guys for a first-round pick. So then you can go ahead and get some stud running back or a treylon Burks in the draft and bet on a Trey Lance or a Justin Herbert. That's how you win, right? You're in a league with 11 other teams. You need to be aggressive. Take chances. Put your chips in the middle of the table. I'm betting that Lance and Trevor Lawrence are good. If they're not, trade doesn't work out. I still, you know what? I still have the pick, right? I still have that first rounder. I still have that other elite player that I got in exchange for Justin Herbert. So I'm not underwater. But if Lawrence takes a step forward, then I just got a free first rounder. I just got a free stud in return. That's the way to play in single quarterback because there's almost always one team in a single quarterback league who struggled to find quarterback production the year prior. And they're going to be listening to offers, whether they they lost Lamar Jackson or usually some reason. Right. That's why when when Kyler Murray broke out in single quarterbacks, like, hey, put this guy on the block, trade this guy. Right. And then next thing you know, Kyler Murray is getting outproduced by Jalen Hurts. Right, If you had Murray and Hurts, and you probably drafted Hurts in the third round in single quarterback, you go ahead and trade Murray, keep Hurts, and you bank an extra stud, skill position player, and now you have Hurts outproducing Murray, and you're not allowed to be surprised when Trevor Lawrence takes this huge leap forward and outproduces a lot of other quarterbacks that we were penciling in to be top 10, like Lawrence outproduces Dak Prescott. Very possible. Yeah, would that really surprise you? Would that, su- no, it wouldn't surprise Lawrence outproduces even you know, Russell Wilson, right? Very possible. All that's very, very possible. And I just wouldn't be surprised. You're not allowed to be surprised when, especially, Trey Lance and Trevor Lawrence take mighty leaps in 2022. wouldn't be surprised you're not allowed to be surprised when especially trey lance and trevor lawrence take mighty leaps in 2022 that's the show i like it that's the show we didn't get to tight ends so we 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 will do tight ends on the next show we'll dive deep into wide receiver but then also talk tight end
1: aaron Rodgers is the linchpin to this whole thing right because i mean as soon as we know What's happening with him? We know what the wide receiver market. It's just like we how know. long can we wait? We know. <laughs> if you're a GM, how long can you wait? I don't know. Cause if you need help, you need help, right? Like then, but then you get into that Kenny Galladay, do we want to overpay to have him first territory and yikes? <laughs> like it's not like he's a bad player. It's just, you know, the production you got for fifteen, sixteen million a year is woof.
0: Um, dude, there's some look at this, look at this, look at this list of wide receivers. I mean, but there's a lot of value if you go down the board. Like, look at like Zay Jones came on last year, strong.
1: Isaiah McKenzie potentially, like it. The way that Buffalo started to use him late in the year, um, I would never say that he had a Debo Samuel role because I think anybody comparing him to anybody is ridiculous. But they did start to do the thing with uh that San Fran does with Debo and that the Rams do with Cooper, where they run that like that wide receiver draw almost, like that that jet sweep from a wide receiver. They started doing that with him. So I mean like there are a lot of really interesting guys on this list. Like it's just I think so many of them on the back half of this are just very, you know, scheme, matchup, team dependent. I mean, you get them around a good quarter, good quarterbacks. Zay Jones could be it could be something.
0: He became their number one receiver. I mean, it was Waller and it, w- it was Renfro and then it was Waller, but he was always in the mix.
1: I I struggle to understand because when he's out there, he's so good, but the numbers don't reflect it. It it kind of like reminds me of the Odell Beckham in Cleveland situation where you're just like, he's winning on routes. Why is he not getting the ball? Why does this team suck? Dude, did you know Zay Jones
0: averaged – More than seven targets a game, after from week twelve on. Seven, seven, five, seven, nine, eight, ten, eight, eight. He he closed out the year against Cincinnati with four red zone targets. Dude, he came on strong. He started. He basically became the full time starter in week nine in the second half. And his second half was, I mean, he wasn't that productive for fantasy football. He, he's not a 20 fantasy points per game guy. But that's also because he only had one touchdown.
1: I actually think he has become underrated. I think he was probably, when he was in Buffalo, I think he was a little, there was a little bit of Gabe Davis energy where you just wanted to cheer for the guy because he was Buffalo's number two at that point And they so desperately needed their number two to be a number one. Um but i the way that he's evolved right like you could use that, and it's not like he's slow.
0: oh no, he's explosive, yeah, he's just a late bloomer he could just be there are late bloomers they happen, and oftentimes small schools east carolina that's where it happens um there's someone oh there's all these like i'm hearing like rumors that. That Buffalo's in the in the gonna draft a receiver, which would be crazy. Um, there, that's in the, a huge and problem. And so for so Gabe that's Davis. The, that's a problem for Gabe because Davis. I Christian Kirk was essentially Yeah, we to lunch saw that with uh, I mean, Josh look, Adler, like, apparently
1: I don't think they're trying to replace Gabe Davis if they go get somebody. I think they're trying to replace Isaiah McKenzie. Like, and, and obviously. Especially right. And obviously, and they having, know Cole Beasley's you know, more old. of that prototypical big slot, if you could go find him, would allow you to do a lot of things. I think if they were to go draft somebody, I think someone in the mold of a Chris Olave makes more sense um than like trying to find the super freak in, in Traylon Burks or something of the sort. Because if, if you do that would be that, great. I, I mean, I've don't be me wrong. They
0: like Burks, I don't know. That's Beasley. I Beasley's mean, you gonna can't. Be, Beasley's going to be thirty-three, That's and his crazy. yards per reception crashed I mean, last it, year at eight point five. His air yards crashed. His targets went up, but his air yards crashed. He's he's not as he's not as explosive as he was. He's lost the fast twitch. No, the guy's I mean, not you as good get anymore. By
1: for a while on route running, and veteran savvy, and guile, and whatever you want to call it. But eventually, you're going to run into issues. Like The, the league that Cole Beasley entered was a league where slot wide receivers had advantages because nobody was drafting to stop them. Now I would argue that the, the pendulum swung too far the other way where people aren't paying enough attention to people on the outside and everybody's worried about the, you know, the fast twitch slot guys. It's it just the least kind of moved away from what Beasley does really, really well, which I mean, obviously yards and yards. I don't think that's ever going to change. But in terms of, you know, now you have Mike. a Mike Hilton in Cincinnati that's literally for stopping guys like that, You you know. Um, I, I think you've got kind of a a weird situation there where they'd probably look. I think they wanted Isaiah McKenzie to replace him. Like I think that's what their their goal was. It's just I don't know that that's going to happen. We'll
0: see. Um, Isaiah McKenzie's good though. I mean, they, they, that, that Isaiah McKenzie's the classic type of guy where the yeah. team that has him appreciates him. Uh, but then enough people saw him on island games in the playoffs play well yeah late in the season that he could get some money from someone yeah. i think zay jones is a great send set, him back too. to buffalo uh but yeah to buffalo yeah uh, oh that's right he was in buffalo originally god man it's too bad like he he would be he would be great um, because yeah, you need Shark uh, would be interesting.
1: I think Russell Gage is a
0: he really good fit. You think? I don't know. I just think he's a isn't he just like a way 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 lesser yeah. version of Diggs? Yeah, to an extent. I don't know. I don't know. Let me let me look up let me look up Gage real quick. Okay, he he's got a similar game to Diggs, similar profile, similar athleticism, I keep forgetting size. that Emmanuel Sanders was in Buffalo.
1: It felt like he didn't.
0: Emmanuel Sanders was explosive. Emmanuel Sanders was good. Man, did really Gage only had 770 yep. yards? And really? I think that's why you're going to be able it. to get him
1: for a little less. Because he had those like not explosive, but he had those fantasy football weeks where we cared about him, but like general NFL fan did not. He's just very he, solid. Look, yeah, he had a, he had a
0: great dominator, and uh, he was targeted at high rate. It's just that the the offense was, if they was can get, awful. I, uh, the
1: fit was, that I really like, if they can get just because they don't have one on their roster, if they can get him at a massive value, I think Allen Robinson's best fit might be Buffalo.
0: Yeah, no, I that's what I'm saying. Like he, people might say, oh well, the, that's that's the Gabe Davis role. Well, Gabe Davis has never broken out. Gabe Davis had the same season in the regular season, if you don't count that first yeah. touchdown
1: playoff game, that he had. Yeah, and I, I mean, that's uh, not to say pride. that he can't break out. So it's it, just, why would you, if you can get Allen Robinson for under $8 million a year based on what he's doing, you know, based on the mm-hmm. fact that half the people in the league think he's washed, like... How is that possible? They don't really think... I saw, I saw projections they? for a contract that had somewhere in the range of like $14 million guaranteed. Yeah. What? Yeah. What? Yeah,
0: I mean, Mike Clay, uh, his projections uh, uh, are... Um, have... Adams, Godwin, and Juju Smith-Schuster with more more, more perceived it, it, value. It,
1: see, that's where I draw the line, right? Like, is Juju Smith-Schuster actually more valuable than Allen Robbins? I find that insane. I find that insane. Of course not. Like, like, of course not. What's the difference between Juju Smith-Schuster and Zay Jones? Yeah, and I mean, Zay Jones Juju's is probably a little bit better route runner and probably a little more reliable on a third down, but like— sure. We're splitting hairs there. I mean, I don't. Sure. Like, th- that's not. That's not to knock Juju. That's just. I think J- Zay Jones has improved that much, and Juju is. I mean, I don't know how much of it has been, <laughs> you know, like that part of it has. Yeah. Let's start let's the show. It. Let's start. Let's talk about it on the show. <laughs> I love that Austin Eckler told you that to your face. <laughs> Why is he not getting the ball? Why does this team suck? Give me your next 19 first-round picks, and I'll give you Tom Brady. Okay, guys. (laughs) Go pound sand, bro.
0: Rob Havenstein was drafted by New Orleans. I take it back. I take it back. Havenstein was drafted by the Rams. I apologize to Havenstein and his whole family. That was a mistake. They drafted Rob Havenstein was a second round pick and he was the other anchor other than Whitworth who was a savvy free agent signing. And
1: now you're giving him Dougie P Why is he not getting the ball? Why does this team suck?